Welcome to the Metaphoricist Magazine podcast, your home for beautifully made speculative fiction. The magazine is edited by B. Morris Allen, and I'm your host, Matt Gomez. This week's story is Shortcut to Happily Ever After by Ben Juan. Ben Juan is a cancer survivor who's been making the most out of his second chance at life. Aside from writing, he's a former musician who's performed in Carnegie Hall, a black belt in Kung Fu San Su, and a coach for Become Sharp in helping introverted clients succeed with dating, confidence, and social skills. He's currently the co-host and man who knows too much about Batman for the podcast Superhero Stuff You Should Know, where his cat Alfie makes cameo appearances. Find him online at benwanrider.com. That's B-E-N-W-A-N W-R-I-T-E-R dot com or on Twitter at SuperHousePod. Let's jump in. Dedicated to Dr. Larry Yip. Want to grab coffee sometime? Daniel Wu looked across at the cute cashier with the big glasses for her reaction. Her name tag read Steph. As he watched her surprised expression form into a smile, he logged her name into his memory. You're awfully forward, aren't you? Daniel smiled back. I just don't like wasting time. Steph laughed. All right, phone? Daniel handed it over to her as she typed in her number. When's your day off, he asked. Tuesday. How about next Tuesday then? Five o'clock? The place next door? Steph laughed. Wow, you really don't waste time. You have no idea, he thought, as he took his phone back, said goodbye, and walked out. To Steph, Daniel must have seemed incredibly confident, but had she met him months ago, she would have met a completely different man, a timid man, because back then, he hadn't had the watch. Outside, he unrolled his sleeve to reach it, his key to finding love, his shortcut to happily ever after, conveniently wrapped around his wrist. He made it a habit now, when asking someone on a date, to set up a specific time and place. The women usually thought he just liked to plan, but really, it was so he'd know where to tell the watch to go. Next Tuesday, 5pm, place next door. He finished with the settings, took a breath, and pushed in the dials on the watch. In an instant, he was standing on the same street, but the cars and pedestrians had all changed around him. He still hadn't gotten used to jumping between the present and the future. It felt like skipping from chapter to chapter on a Blu-ray disc, except he was actually in the movie. He peeked into the window of the coffee shop. Sure enough, his future self and Steph were inside. So, she shows up to the first date, he thought. But how well does it go? He programmed the watch again and jumped forward an hour later, where he saw the two of them outside the shop. Together, they were laughing. He overheard himself set up the next date at a restaurant next week. Daniel knew exactly where it was. He took a long walk over to it a few blocks away and programmed the watch again. This time, he watched himself and Steph walk out, nervous laughter from both of them. As they stopped by the street, there was a pause. He had a cringe just watching the awkwardness, along with the fact that, for some reason, neither of them seemed to be as happy as on the previous date. He hid, hearing his nervous future self ask, So, uh, want to ride back? There was a pause, and Steph awkwardly said, Listen, Daniel, you seem like a great guy. He didn't need to hear more. He had heard it all before. We just don't seem like a fit. I'm just not feeling the chemistry. Maybe we could be friends. 
He watched his future self's expression change to disappointment. It was that same expression that made Daniel feel relieved. So it wouldn't work out. No need to go on this date then. Saved myself from getting my hopes up. His other self, after a minute, regained his composure and told her, I understand. It was, uh, it was fun. As Steph walked off to her own Uber, Daniel turned away from his future disappointment and set the watch back to the present day. Now, he was outside of the shop again, looking back through the window at Steph, who had just given out her number to him, a Steph who had no idea what he had just seen. A few hours later, Steph got a sincere phone call from Daniel. I know this is going to sound really weird, he said, but I'm going to have to cancel next Tuesday. It's not you, it's just... I realized I'm just not in a place to date right now. Oh, said Steph, who was more surprised by the sudden news than hurt. Uh, no problem. Thanks for not wasting time. Again. Of course. See you around the shop? Sure, said Daniel. After hanging up, he sighed in relief. He always felt bad about doing this, but in the end, he knew he was dodging a bullet, just like he had done with the others. Steph was the third woman he had canceled on before even the first date. There were no hard feelings, especially given that none of these women had a chance to develop any attachment to him. It wasn't selfish either. He had spared all of them the same hurt too. The hurt he saw from simply looking into their futures. No more failed relationships. No more heartbreak. He would keep peeking into the future until he knew for certain that he had found a relationship that would last. He set the phone down on his dining table only to jump. There, standing in his living room, was a tall woman with a ponytail. She wore a long black coat of a snakeskin leather material, and she was pointing something that looked an awful lot like a gun at him. What have you been doing with that watch? What? Daniel put his hands up. Oh, fuck, he thought. He looked at the gun. It didn't look anything like the firearms he was familiar with. And then he saw it on her wrist, the same watch he wore just in a different color. He had wondered about the origin of the watch when he found it. Now it was catching up to him. The owner of the watch was here, and she wasn't happy. He stammered, Okay, okay, I can explain. Six months ago. The night Chloe left him wasn't the worst part. Sure, Daniel cried after it was all over but it was just a couple of hours until the mercy of sleep took him. Asleep, he could forget what happened. Asleep, he and Chloe would still be together. No, the worst part of the breakup was the day after, because now he had an entire day to remember that she had walked out on him. He'd wake up and look across at her empty spot in bed, knowing he would never see her face there again. He had spent their entire relationship in this one-bedroom apartment, yet now it felt even smaller. It seemed like this was always something that happened to him. Ever since he was a child, he had wanted to live out the stories he grew up with, where the hero would always find love. Yet, whenever he found someone special and got attached, she'd inevitably leave him. Chloe was just the latest in a series. Once again, he was left with unfulfilled dreams and fantasies. Trips they would never travel together. Movies he would never get to watch with her. Gifts he would never give to her. The worst, of course, was the feeling of being chronically unwanted, that all he would find was rejection, heartbreak, and loneliness. And yet, there was always a part of him that hoped that he'd find someone who'd help him prove that wrong, 
someone who would prove that he was wanted and could be loved. Chloe had felt like that someone at first, but something had been holding her back. She had admitted several times that she had trouble getting close to the guy she dated. He had hoped, or rather expected, that as he continued to show he cared, she'd see that he was different and gradually be as intimate and vulnerable with him as he was with her. Instead, all he did was drive her away. Maybe she was afraid he'd hurt her the same way the other guys did. Yet the more he tried to forgive her, the more resentment he felt towards her for punishing him for the sins of her exes. She could have at least punished me for my own sins, he thought. That at least would have been fair. The pain carried over from one day to the next. He started burying himself at work in the morgue to distract himself. Suicides, unfortunately, spiked during the holidays. There was a common depression, triggered by a yearning to be with others, and a realization, for many, that the yearning could never be fulfilled. He looked around at the dead around him. He knew he should feel grateful to be the only one in the room breathing, but instead, he felt like he could relate to them, at least on the inside. Cold, numb, nothing left to care about. 1.30 came around. Daniel had heated up his lunch, a can of clam chowder that he usually packed because it was easy to microwave in the kitchen. He took it back to his office, only for his boss to barge in. The cops have been asking about this John Doe for way too long. I need you to perform the autopsy ASAP. The John Doe was a man in his 40s. Nothing unusual about his appearance, but there was an ID card that was unrecognizable from any state's driver's license, giving the name John Tempest. To everyone, it seemed fake. The police were at a loss. The fingerprints matched no database. Neither did his DNA. Nor, strangely enough, did his teeth match any dental records. The man was a complete ghost. Daniel performed the autopsy as requested. It seemed that the cause of death was a heart attack. No murder or suicide, just his heart giving out. In a way, he could relate. It was about halfway through the autopsy that he remembered the clam chowder sitting back at his office, probably cold and likely spoiled by now. He went back to his desk and tossed out his lunch. The thud as the bowl hit the bottom of the trash can felt satisfying but it wasn't enough to quell the anger he felt. Now he'd have to wait until dinner to eat, which pissed him off further. Work was supposed to be his distraction, but now it had become such a distraction that he was skipping lunch. And skipping lunch would just remind him of Chloe and how she always packed a lunch for him. And, well, work wasn't such a distraction anymore now, was it? Towards the end of his shift, he looked through the belongings that were found on John Tempest, Perhaps he could help the police find a clue to the man's identity. Among the belongings was a watch. It didn't match any brand that Daniel had been familiar with. Instead of a single dial to adjust the time and date, there were multiple ones. There even seemed to be ones to adjust the month and the year, which made it even more unusual. Daniel played with one of the dials absentmindedly. Seems like a good watch, he thought, as he turned the hand back a few hours. Lost in thought, he snapped the dial back in. That was when he felt the jump. He was still in his office, but his surroundings felt different. Because the clam chowder was now back to sitting on his desk, still warm, steam rising from it. That was strange, he thought. How could that be back there? He hadn't had it out since lunchtime, which was... He looked at the dead man's watch. Sure enough, it had been set to lunch hour. 1.30pm. There was no way. Or was there? 
His mind must be playing tricks on him. And yet, here was the soup, as it would have sat. But if he had really gone back, where was his past self? He snuck out into the hallway, towards the lab, took a peek in the window, and there he was, performing the autopsy on the dead body, forgetting all about his lunch back in the office. He had traveled in time, which likely then explained John Tempest. Tempest, as in Tempest, as in time. The man was a time traveler, a dead time traveler. He wouldn't have any record. Was he from the past? the future? A different world entirely? Daniel didn't know. All he wanted to learn about now was the watch. He turned the dial and adjusted it a few hours further back, then a few hours forward. Each time, he kept adjusting, spying on his past self in the lab or office and testing the watch further. Shit, what time was it when I first started jumping around, he wondered. He needed to go back to his present time, his real time, He remembered it being towards the end of his shift and estimated that it must have been around 5.30. He set the watch and jumped once again, finding himself back in his office at the end of the day. The clam chowder was gone and John Tempest's belongings were all on his desk. He had returned to the present. Daniel wasn't sure whether to sigh in relief or cheer in excitement. It worked. What now? Anyone he reported this to would think he was crazy until he demonstrated it but then they'd surely take it away, examine its functions, use it for their own purposes. No, he had a unique opportunity here. John Tempest, whoever he was, seemed to have used this watch for time travel. So far, Daniel could only move through time in the same spot, which probably meant that if he wanted to go back in time to watch the Beatles debut on the Ed Sullivan show, he'd have to physically go to the Ed Sullivan Theater in New York in the present before setting anything. Tempest had wound up in this timeline where he died. He certainly wasn't using it anymore, so if Daniel took the watch, who would miss it? Plus, who would even find out? The police might have a record of the watch's existence, but with other cases preoccupying them, they probably wouldn't notice if he kept it to himself. And considering that Tempest probably wasn't even from this time period, the police would never find any leads about him. It was settled then. He was going to keep it. But what would he do with it? It didn't take him long to think about it. He knew deep down what he wanted. He was going to use it to find the love of his life. At first, he was tempted to go back and undo the breakup with Chloe. But what exactly would he undo? Would he even be able to convince her to stay with him? If he couldn't, he'd just be opening up an old wound. He wanted to make himself feel better, not worse. Now, He'd only use the watch to take peeks into the future and come back rather than change his past. And this time, the watch could help him know that he was moving on with the right person rather than wasting any more time with the wrong person. So Daniel started putting himself out there. First, he met Anne at a party through his coworker Simon. You're not seeing anyone. She's not seeing anyone. I'll set you guys up, he told Daniel. Why don't you go for her? Already tried, said Simon. But she goes for nice guys. Daniel shook his head. That was a backhanded compliment if he knew it. But he was intrigued. Simon gestured him over. Hey, Anne. Meet my buddy Daniel. Daniel looked over at a cute girl in a leather jacket. Okay. He wasn't hating this experience so far. Hey, Daniel, said Anne. All right. You two talk. I'm out. 
Daniel watched Simon go, and said, Well, that wasn't an awkward introduction at all. Not at all, he agreed. So, how do you know Simon, other than him trying to hit on you? She laughed. Is that what he said he did? Clearly he wasn't that successful. I'm friends with his roommate. We met that way, unfortunately. Daniel nodded. He could tell that she was wondering what his connection was. Well, I work with Simon, he said. With the dead people? Yep, with the dead people. Which kind of sucks, actually, because I thought that meant I wouldn't have to deal with anyone annoying, but then I met him. She laughed. Once they hit it off about classic literature, she gave him her number, and he decided to take the watch for a spin. The planning was simple. He'd make it a habit of scheduling each new date at the end of the previous one. As an observer, he'd bounce around and spy on how the date went. Then, he'd overhear his future self set up the next time and know exactly where and when to pop up. After calling Anne to schedule a meeting at a local bookstore, he used the watch to jump to the first date, then the second, the third, then months of dating until the night he asked her to be his girlfriend. Daniel had been tempted to stop peeking then, already satisfied with the future, but he didn't just want another relationship. He wanted the relationship, the last relationship he'd ever be in. He wanted to know the whole future, so he watched cliff notes of an entire relationship unfold. Their first time meeting the parents, their first fight. And then, after a year of dating, the breakup. Another girl out of the blue who would leave and break his heart. And once again, he'd find himself alone in a one-bedroom apartment that was starting to feel even smaller. He wound the watch back to the day after the party when they first met. Then he called Anne, telling her that he'd have to cancel their date at the bookstore and that he just wasn't really in a good place to see anyone. Maybe he'd just see her at another of his friend's parties again and save her from Simon trying to shoot a shot a second time. She found his honesty refreshing and genuinely wished him luck. There was a wave of relief in what he had done, not to mention pride. He hadn't wasted Anne's time and she hadn't wasted his. They could move on to the right people without baggage. He felt ready to use a watch again on the next girl he met. That was Christine. They had matched online. Daniel wasn't really a fan of online dating and trying to make conversations on the apps, but as a change, Christine had started the conversation first. She seemed like the opposite of Anne. For one thing, she wasn't a book nerd at all. For another, she was less sarcastic and more direct in her interest. The day after they started talking, she was already messaging him. Hey, handsome. And before he could float the idea by her first, she was the one proposing. Want to get drinks this week? Still, Daniel wanted to see what would happen. So once again, he used the watch to skip forward. A couple of dates in, he saw that he'd invited her to his place. They both seemed to like cooking and he had wanted to show off his pasta maker. Though for some reason, it wasn't in its usual place and he'd had to buy a new one. That was odd. He could have sworn that he always kept it in the same spot in the same cabinet. He knew this relationship would last longer than the previous one once he saw that, two years in, he and Christine were still together. Then, eventually, engaged. But he just kept pushing and jumping forward. Would she marry him? He had to know. Even when the wedding was already planned, a date set, invites sent out, he felt that he needed the confirmation. He needed to see himself married before he'd go on that date. So it was discouraging, but not all that surprising that, when he jumped forward, he saw Christine call off the engagement. He overheard himself from the other room asking, What did I do? 
Christine replied. I just feel like you don't put in any effort with me anymore. At that point, Daniel stopped listening. He couldn't stand the sound of his own future voice breaking and crying. And he couldn't stand to keep watching Christine break his heart even further. If he was feeling that from just witnessing everything, he could only imagine what it'd be like to live it. And it made him even more grateful. This watch from John Tempest was a gift that spared him from pain. He didn't even want to hear the rest of the argument or wait until Christine had left. He knew her well enough, at least from observing their relationship, that she wouldn't change her mind. And he'd be alone, once again, in a studio apartment that was still feeling smaller. Better to just go back in time and end it. He reset the watch so the sound of his crying in the background would stop. A month later, he went into the shop and met Steph. The present. Daniel finished his story. The woman with the gun had settled in at his dining table, drinking coffee that he had brewed for her. She had put the weapon down too, though the barrel was still pointed in his general direction. She sipped the coffee in silence, thinking over Daniel's story. He cleared his throat. So, you must have known John Tempest then, Miss? She set down the cup staring down at it and seeming to ignore him until she finally answered. Call me the Overseer. Overseer? So what, is that like a title or something? For like, time travelers? Something like that. We're the ones assigned to stop the time ripples. Time ripples? Then, as if on cue, the coffee cup disappeared from the table. It wasn't a magic trick, but it felt like one. Almost as if something had just edited a jump cut from a movie into reality. Even stranger, the overseer had looked satisfied, almost having expected it to happen. Daniel sat up, alarmed. What? What just happened? What the hell is this? Like I said, time ripple. She stood up. Mr. Wu, I tracked you down because your apartment appears to be the center of a set of time ripples. What are those? Some kind of butterfly effect? In a way. When time gets undone, your environment changes around you. Usually, you don't even notice the changes. They usually start with your living arrangements. Daniel thought it through. He'd been living in a studio apartment for the last six years, but had it always been a studio? Hadn't he been in a one-bedroom apartment at some point? Or had he just dreamed or imagined that? No, that couldn't be right. Was she causing him to remember new things, or was she causing him to think he was remembering new things? She continued. Then, certain things go missing. It's probably happened to you before. You can't find something. You don't know where you put it. And if it's not where you last put it, you chalk it up to a bad memory. But it's not. It's actually the beginning of a time ripple. Things go missing. Like a pasta maker, he thought. Because for just a few moments in time, whatever's missing actually stopped existing. You get residual memories of something that's no longer there, and the mind just rationalizes that it's lost or misplaced until you stop remembering that it actually existed at all. Daniel looked alarmed. The overseer noticed. Don't worry. Sometimes what's lost gets found. Sure, it's not where you remember it, but you're so happy you found it again, you don't really question how it got there. You chalk it up to a bad memory or just being forgetful, but you didn't forget. Time just sets itself right again and it took an overseer to bring it back. 
Daniel thought of all the times he had found something that he had once lost, and how it never seemed to be in the last place he remembered. Just how common were these time ripples? Your dating adventures are responsible for the time ripples in this sector. To put it mildly, you undid things that shouldn't have been undone, and time is making us all pay the consequences. So, here's what we'll do, kid. You're going to return that to me. That's overseer property. She grabbed his wrist, undoing the clasp on the watch without letting him object. Next, you're going to fix the mess you created. How? All those women you turned down. You have to go back and date them. In real time. Daniel froze. That had to be a joke. But, but I know the future. That'd just be a waste of time. Would it? I spent like two years with one of them. I know how it ends. Do you? Can you stop asking me questions? She shot him a glare. Something that was supposed to happen never happened. That's the cause of this. To fix it, you have to make those events happen. Everyone you were supposed to date, you have to date them. That's the only way this works. Daniel could sense the judgment in her tone. He tried to think of another way to get out of this. I'd be wasting years of my life, he argued. You'd be saving life as we know it. Sounds dramatic, I know, but I'm not wrong. If we don't stop the ripples, all of us are eventually going to disappear. Like that coffee cup. Which you're going to forget, by the way, after we're done with this conversation. So you can either do this and make it right, or I have to do something drastic. Like what? She tapped on her gun. Like go back to when you got the watch and erase you from this timeline. Daniel blinked, speechless. Not up for that? Didn't think so, she said. And with that, the overseer set the dials on her own watch, then grabbed his hand. Their surroundings snapped into place in an instant. They were back at his room as it had been months ago. Here we are, she said. Daniel looked outside. It had gone from day to night. Two dogs were in the middle of a barking match with each other while their owners were trying to restrain them. So wait, where am I? Like, where's the old me? You've set up a date with Anne, and now you've gone forward in time to see if you two have a future. But instead of you coming back to cancel on her, we're just going to branch off into a new timeline from here. One where you actually date Anne. You know, like a normal person. The overseer clicked her watch. The barking outside stopped. Daniel peeked out. The dogs and their owners were completely frozen. If it doesn't work with her, then we go on to Christine. And then Steph. Until you experience everything you were supposed to experience. Text Anne to reconfirm that you're still going out. Time will resume and the new timeline will begin. But I'm undoing what I actually lived through. Doesn't that create, like, another paradox? If I didn't live through turning down these women, how would I still exist to do this? Doesn't work that way, said the overseer. As long as these new paradoxes fulfill what was supposed to happen, time will fix itself. You know how a string gets tangled and knotted? Yeah. There's always that grace period where you can still untangle it before it gets too much. That's where we're at, kid. Right before the point of no return. The point where we can still untangle the string. The overseer took his phone and pulled up Anne's number, then handed it back to him. So do it, she said. Untangle it. Daniel stood by the front of the bookstore, waiting on his first date, his real first date, with Anne. 
It occurred to him that he might have watched this date before, but it wasn't actually him who had gone through it. What if he had said something stupid and he never got into a relationship with her in the first place? He remembered seeing his heartbroken self back on the couch, feeling the way he had felt after Chloe left. Yes, maybe he'd actually prefer to just screw it up all now. It'd be a quicker way to get to the next person. Finish the mission for the overseer. Correct his mistake. Get out of this mess. Then Anne walked in, and the plane went out the window. For Anne, it had been just a few days ago since she'd met Daniel. But for him, it had been months. He forgot how much he liked looking in her eyes at the party, and the way she had made him feel the first time that he met her. Their first date, time-wise, lasted about 12 hours. But neither he nor Anne really felt time go by. She spent the night at his place, which was something he hadn't predicted, since he hadn't stuck around long enough to find out the first time he watched. Other than the embarrassment of not having a clean coffee cup for her in the morning, and feeling like it was weird that he had so few in the first place, it was the perfect first date. After she left his place, he got to thinking. Yes, he knew the future. Yes, he had seen that in a year from now it wouldn't work out. But couldn't he just enjoy being around her for now? Couldn't he just enjoy not being lonely and broken up over Chloe again? So he kept seeing her. A couple dates in and she was all he could think about. Whenever she texted, he'd always smile and text back as soon as he could. Eventually, she was constantly texting him. Maybe she was getting clingy, but since he liked her already, he didn't mind. He wanted to text her all day. It was refreshing not to have to fight for someone's attention, the way he had always had to with Chloe. A few months in, he asked her to be his girlfriend. A month after that, they took their first trip together. But as the relationship grew, so did the fear. Because he knew the future. He knew this relationship was doomed. That she was going to hurt him in the end. He tried to brush it aside and convince himself he was too in love right now to care. But that love was starting to deteriorate. Whenever they'd argue, even over something small like what type of onions to buy at the grocery store, it was another nail in the coffin. Is this why she's going to leave, he thought. And yet whenever she said something nice or gave him a surprise gift or comforted him when he had had a bad day, he couldn't really believe her either, even though he wanted to. She'd say, I love you. And he'd wonder, do you really? You won't in a couple of months. Soon their one-year anniversary was approaching, and the anxiety was taking over him. Anne would be leaving any day now. She'd drop him just like Chloe had. He'd go back to crying himself to sleep, waking up next to an empty space in the bed, and sleepwalking from day to day. He knew what he had to do, and he didn't like it. When he came over to her place the next night, he told her that it was over, that he felt like he didn't see a future anymore with her. He said it very matter-of-fact. After all, he thought, she was on the same page. You've probably been feeling this too anyway, he said. But when he looked in her eyes, all he saw was hurt and confusion. She stammered, No, I... I haven't been feeling that way at all. Daniel stared back with the same confusion. But I thought... I saw... You saw what, Daniel? What could he possibly tell her? That he had time-traveled? He'd sound insane. And yet, somehow, in knowing how it was going to end, he had acted so differently that he had changed the outcome and the timeline itself. Worse, after all these months of hating Chloe, now he felt like he was Chloe. He felt a sense of loathing toward himself for putting someone through what he had experienced. 
Chloe had left him out of fear of getting hurt and ended up hurting him instead. And now he was about to do the same thing to a sweet girl he loved, who didn't deserve it. Okay, look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean what I said. I've just been confused. He reached out for her hand. He had to fix this. But she turned away. You don't know what you want, Daniel. That's the problem. No, that's not true. It is true. You say you want to be with me, but half the time your mind's somewhere else. Whatever I try, it's not enough. So maybe you're right. Maybe we should just end this. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean for it to be like this. Just go. She kept herself turned away and waited. Daniel couldn't think of anything else to do but comply. She hadn't shown much emotion, but when he walked out, he could hear her crying on the other side of the door. He wasn't anything special. Just a part of a vicious cycle. Hearts were broken. Heartbroken people went off to break other hearts. And it would continue over and over and over again. He had to stop it. He gave Anne a couple of days of space before calling her. Except when he called, the voice of an old man picked up on the other end. Johnson residence? No. Daniel immediately hung up. He searched for Anne on social media. All her accounts were gone. He had hoped that she had just blocked him, but why would she have changed her number? Then he visited her apartment building to check the register. There was a different name in her unit. She couldn't have moved out in just two days because of him. He hoped she did because the alternative was much worse. At work, he approached Simon to see if he was right. Anne and I broke up. Anne? Yeah, you know, my girlfriend? The one you introduced me to at a party? You had a girlfriend? Daniel ran off. He needed answers. Sure enough, when he was alone, the overseer appeared. I warned you, she said. The world's population just dropped by one million and nobody noticed except you. But how do I still remember? You're a time traveler. Your memories linger longer than others. But you'll still forget eventually. Like that coffee cup. What coffee cup? Exactly. Or your pasta maker. What pasta? Never mind. If I keep going with a plan, do these people come back? It's still possible, but you can't waste any more time. You still have to date the other two women. Wait, Daniel said, but the overseer had already taken his phone. On to Christine. How? I only met her because I never went out with Anne. Not a problem, said the overseer. She might not even exist now. But the overseer went into the dating apps and started randomly swiping on the women. After a few matches, she handed the phone over to him. That should do it. Scroll through. One of them's her, she said with confidence. Daniel looked through his matches. Sure enough, Christine's profile was in the queue. How did you... Like I said, your relationships were events that had to happen. No matter what, Christine would still end up matching with you on these apps. Daniel set the phone down, shaking his head. I just had a breakup. Sorry, said the overseer but you don't have time. None of us do. So Daniel reluctantly started talking to Christine. This time, he started the conversation. He didn't remember exactly what he had said to her when they first talked, but he had the gist of it. He thought about the future with her he had seen, how they had almost gotten married, if he hadn't screwed it all up. He remembered the words that she had told him. You don't put in any effort with me. Maybe he would just do the opposite of what he'd seen. Maybe that would give him a different result. Put in effort. 
In a way, he'd be making up for what he had just done to Anne. So this time, Daniel was the one to ask Christine for drinks next week. Soon enough, they were dating, and he had her over for cooking dinner, so he could show off this new pasta maker he had bought, though he had no idea how to use it, and he couldn't help shake the nagging feeling that he was supposed to know how to use it. Christine was already different from Anne. For one thing, she wasn't as quick to open up. In fact, for some time, it still felt as if he hardly knew her at all. He knew what she did for a living, of course, her general interests, how many siblings she had, what she liked in bed. Maybe he just needed to give it time. So he did everything he could to be a great boyfriend. He went all out on her birthday, made sure to befriend all her friends, gave her all his attention when she was with him. So why was it that every time he did something nice for her, she'd always seem to run away? She'd thank him in the moment, sure, but then she'd retreat into work and barely talk to him for a week. Naturally, this just made him push harder. He'd text her more to ask how her day went. He'd offer to cook for her more often. Anything to avoid being accused of not putting in the effort. Which is why it shocked him, four months into the relationship, when she said, I don't think this is working for me. No. No, this isn't right, he thought. We aren't even close to the time that we broke up. Daniel wondered if maybe he had missed an initial breakup from his travels and the two of them would get together again after this but he knew that was just wishful thinking. It was the way she had said, I don't think this is working for me. It was the same tone he had heard when she called off the wedding. All he could muster in response was one word. Why? As in, why was this over? Out of nowhere? Again? Why couldn't he just make something work? Why was nothing he did good enough for her? Or for Chloe, for that matter? Why? And Christine simply responded, I just feel like you're too clingy for me. The first time, he hadn't made enough effort with Christine. Now he had made too much. Maybe Christine had just never really wanted him. Maybe she was destined to make an excuse to leave. Maybe it wasn't even Christine. Maybe it was just his luck in general with love. Maybe he'd always be disappointed and never find the right person. And the overseer returned again. This time, Daniel had nothing to share. He simply asked, those ripples still happening? She nodded. Before she could elaborate, Daniel cut her off. He didn't care anymore. Let's just get this over with. There was one woman left, Steph. Lucky for you, she hasn't been rippled out of existence yet. I checked. You still have a shot at fixing this, said the overseer. She looked like she was about to leave, but she stopped. Perhaps there was sympathy in her step. Good luck. And with that, she was gone. It occurred to Daniel that if he pulled this off, he might never see the overseer again. With Anne and Christine, he had tried to go against what he had seen. Now, what would his strategy be? This time, there'd be no strategy. And maybe that in itself was a strategy. Maybe he just needed to act as if he didn't know the future. A part of him hoped that meant this would work out. Another part of him told him to stop being an idiot and getting his hopes up. If the overseer had been right about these relationships being destined to happen, then Steph would still be working at the shop now. So he drove over and walked in. Sure enough, there she was at the cash register. He almost didn't recognize her at first without the big glasses. She must have been wearing contacts today. She wore her hair tied back and her outfit was different from what he remembered. 
but he figured he could have the same conversation. That was going to be the easy part. As expected, she agreed to get coffee with him. Like before, he asked when she was off work, and like before, he scheduled it for her day off. So he arrived on that Tuesday, 5 p.m., the coffee shop next to the place that she worked at, and the two of them talked. They talked for six hours, to the point that the place closed before they were done. Daniel was surprised by Steph at first. It had been maybe even a year at this point since he had actually met her for the first time. She seemed funnier than he had remembered. Was she actually funnier, or did he just get her humor better? And did he also find her more attractive now than before because of it? You know, it seems weird, she said. But the other day when you came into the shop, I felt like I almost knew you from before. Daniel laughed. Really? Yeah, I don't know. You just seemed so familiar. Or I seemed familiar to you? Like, did we go to school together or something? I'm a SoCal boy and you're from the East Coast. I doubt it. I know, but still. I don't know, you just seemed like someone I've already known for a while. Like you knew I'd say yes to coffee. Like you expected it. Daniel just shrugged. She wasn't completely wrong. Well, I don't know for sure, but I figured I didn't have anything to lose. See, a lot of people say that, but most of them don't actually act like it, she said. What's your secret? He shrugged. I'd say learn not to expect anything. That's it? So you just expect to be disappointed and let yourself be surprised? No, expecting to be disappointed is different from not expecting anything. Because if you expect to be disappointed, you're still expecting, which is the problem. Daniel hardly recognized what was coming out of his mouth. It felt like he was making shit up as he went along and it just happened to sound profound. But Steph smiled and said, I like that. Hell, maybe it was profound then. He continued, I mean, it's basically what they say. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. He'd have to put that mentality to the test soon, because later that night, Steph agreed to go on a second date. And in another life, it was the second date that was also their last date. Daniel had figured that the outcome would be different from before, but whether that would be better or worse, he'd have to see. He went into the date half excited and half feeling like a prisoner due for execution. About 30 minutes into it, she said, I have something to confess. Uh-oh, he thought. A part of him wondered if this would be when she'd end it, which would be really awkward since the food hadn't even come yet. What she actually said, however, was very different. I just got out of a relationship like a month ago. Wow, he said. Then without thinking, me too. Really? Oh my god, I totally thought I'd scare you off. Daniel laughed. On the contrary. Questions then swirled in his brain. So, that day I asked you out to coffee. What made you say yes then? I mean, you could have just said that you were still recovering from the last relationship. I would have gotten it. Yeah, well, breakups suck but there's no use punishing the next guy about it, is there? Jesus, where were you three relationships ago? Daniel thought as he took a second to collect his response. No, no, definitely not. He was starting to feel something for the first time. Was it comfort? No, that wasn't it. Maybe it was desire, but not in the sexual sense of desiring her, though he wasn't opposed to that either. It was almost a desire to open up, to share again to just be vulnerable. He continued talking. You know, if I'm being frank, there's a part of me that almost didn't ask you out. 
Not because of you, I mean, but because I guess I was just getting jaded from the whole experience. Yeah, I get you. It's hard not to get hurt doing all this. Daniel leaned forward with interest. What helps you just put yourself out there then? Steph let out a breath and thought about it. Knowing it's worse if I don't. And you're not afraid of getting hurt again? Oh, all the time, she said. But if I let that stop me, I'm never going to find it, am I? I guess you're right. How about you? What keeps you going? Daniel thought about how he should phrase it, then said, Same as you, I guess. Faith. Steph raised a glass. To faith then. They toasted and kept talking through the rest of their dinner, but Steph's attitude stuck out in his mind. Here he had been, using a stolen time traveler's watch to avoid getting hurt, while Steph had done the complete opposite. No time travel, no peaks or knowledge of how things would turn out. Just complete faith that at some point, someone was going to make all the heartache worth it. He paid the bill, of course, and as they walked out, Daniel could feel his heart pounding. Here it is, the moment she turns me down. He had really started to like her already. He hoped things would turn out differently this time, but he felt an odd sense of calmness as he walked next to her. He had seen this play out from the outside. The hesitation, the potential preamble on how he seemed like a great guy, but... But nothing. He had been wrong before. Maybe he'd be wrong again. He wouldn't know unless he went for it. So, want to ride back? He asked. The same question he had heard himself ask in the other timeline. He noticed it came out differently from what he remembered. When he had heard himself say it originally, it felt very tentative, as if he weren't really sure if she would say yes. Here, it seemed casual. Indifferent. Almost as if he had asked her to pass the salt. It wasn't that he needed her to say yes anymore. It was that he'd be fine if she said no. That no matter what answer she gave him, he'd be okay. He stopped, waiting for her answer. She smiled. A ride? Sure. Somewhere, in a kitchen across town, a coffee cup and a pasta maker reappeared, as if they had been there all along. A girl named Anne was back in her apartment, poring over a book, and Daniel was walking Steph back to his car for a ride home. He smiled. For once, he had no idea what was going to happen next. That was Shortcut to Happily Ever After by Ben Wan. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to us on. Or, better yet, share the magazine and podcast with a friend. If you'd like to listen to more speculative fiction, visit us online at magazine.metaphoricist.com or on Twitter at metaphoricistmag.com.